0: This is the Horse Radio Network. What a
1: beautiful day for horses in the morning.
0: You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn DeGeek in Ocala, Florida.
1: And I'm Holly Kakamis from Laguna Hills, California, and you're listening to the monthly Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 24th. This is a special episode of Horses in the Morning, the fourth Tuesday of every month, brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Good morning, horse world.
2: The fourth Tuesday of every month is all about your passion for horses. Nurture your knowledge with informative and entertaining interviews. Brought to you by Horse Illustrated
1: Magazine.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Now, Holly, uh, you're not on the set of Fargo, correct?
1: I am not. No, no. (laughs) It might sound like you are, but. Yeah, we just happened to have the tree trimmers working out on the road today. Right in front of where I live, so chainsaws and wood chippers may be heard in the background.
0: They pick this particular hour of this particular week to be outside your window.
1: They do. I was a little nervous on Monday when they started at the corner down the street, and I was like, oh, I bet you on Wednesday they'll be right in front of my house. (laughs) And they are. You
0: can hear them a little bit in the background, but (laughs) you know what? We've had worse things on this show that we've heard in background, so (laughs) uh, we're fine. It's all fine. Who are we doing today? Who are we talking to?
1: So today we have some exciting guests. We have Cindy Lay of the Kenyan Collection, which has a really cool story behind it. So I will leave a little mystery there. And then Robin Volkening, who wrote the story about staying in your horse trailer at shows, which we didn't have time to discuss last month. So I thought, why not have the author on to give us a little insight into that?
0: That's what Jennifer does when she goes, and we don't have a living quarters. So when she goes to endurance ride, she's sleeping
1: in the trailer. Oh, yeah. This is for the non-living quarter people. This is if you really want to get out there and uh, save some dollars. So this is for hopefully the tips.
0: $100,000 <laughs> trailer <Yes>. people.
1: <laughs> which I like to think is most of us.
0: Yeah, I think it is most of us, actually. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. But we got to see each other over the weekend, which is a rare event that I see any of my co-hosts. But uh, it's it was fun.
1: Yeah, we definitely... Uh, Saw a lot of our friends at AHP. So it was the AHP Conference and Awards uh, American Horse Publications, if you don't know. Uh, Sorry, my dog is barking. (laughs) She's uh, she's
0: barking at Fargo outside.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've got a lot of entertainment going at my house, so... Um, but I wanted to ask about because I was very um geographically challenged in the hotel and couldn't find the session where you were teaching the uh, interview skills, and I missed the beginning where you were talking about. A four-hour improv dinner thing. I, I just need to know the story behind that.
0: Well, I an acting company that we did, Medieval Feasts. And uh, they would last yeah. about four hours. And there'd be four or five courses. And then we'd entertain in between the courses. Uh, and it was all improv. So it was a lot of fun. We had the same cast, pretty much the same cast for 450 episodes over 10 years. Uh, and we wow. would do shows for open to the public. They'd pay tickets, buy tickets to come in. We were at a castle in in Reading, Pennsylvania. Or we would do... Corporation shows, private companies would hire us to do their annual dinner or something like that. Uh, so we'd come in and do their their annual event. We did that for Stroh's Brewery for years. We did it year after year for Stroh's Brewery in Reading, And that was a blast because they were all drunk by the time we got. Even got there, Um, so I mean it was a good time, and they got to know us. So year after year, they'd be so happy to see us again. You know, Um, yeah, we had a good time. It was a lot of fun, and the session. I was surprised because this is American Horse Publications is all the journalists from the horse world, and that includes mostly writing journalists. Mm -hmm. You know, they're magazine people, or you know, newspaper people, or they're writing for websites or whatever bloggers, and they tend to be an introverted group. So when I said I was going to do a session on improv and how it can help you with your interviewing skills, I expected two people to show up and the room was full.
1: Yeah, it was probably the most packed session I went to. So that was a lot of fun. And I was glad I didn't have to go up because I'm one of those introverts. But you called. You a few. came in late on purpose. I know. <laughs> I hid in the back, but no. <laughs> I enjoyed watching the people that got put on the spot, but they they were wonderful. They did a really good job. So, but I always sweat bullets when it's that part of. Uh,
0: <laughs> and it's an <laughs> a improv session. class, so you're gonna yeah. it's gonna be improv, right? Uh, but so, no, it went very well. I thought, and I was really pleased with how the introverts came out of their little
1: they did we broke up into groups of two to practice interview skills and everyone was just howling with laughter because the prompts were were too good i don't want to give much away but they had to do with cockroaches and toenails so how (laughs) can you not laugh (laughs) interviewing somebody about those topics so
0: that's my job yeah was pretty good Now, you guys, Horse Illustrated, they give away awards there, too. Uh, Unfortunately, I was having surgery at the time when we were supposed to submit them. So Horse Radio never got no awards, but but Horse Illustrated did.
1: Yeah, we were very excited. We took home a first place and that was in service to the horse industry category for help for hardworking equines by Kim McMillan. So she did a great job. That article was about Brook USA. It ran last July. Um, so we can put that on our website if readers are interested in learning more about that organization that does fantastic work in the developing world with uh Working equines, donkeys, mules, and horses. Um, we got a second place in feature article, a third place in personality profile from former podcast co-host Sarah Evers-Conrad. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: And so also an honorable mention for editorial photograph. Uh, Tracy Bousset took that one. So well, It was a gypsy yeah, we were,
0: I mean, yeah, you're almost guaranteed I mean, to win.
1: It I'm was sorry. adorable. <laughs> like, how can you not love pictures of them? I mean, they're too much hair for me to care for, but I like looking at them, so.
0: And there is there's something called a freelance writer in the in every world of journalism, but in the horse world as well, we have freelance writers and basically they're independents and they submit articles to you and then you accept them or don't accept them, right? Is that how it works?
1: Exactly. So every year I put out a call for ideas to freelancers that have expressed interest in working with us. And the magazine is what it is because of our awesome freelancers and their great ideas that they bring to us. So um, three of them won first place. They submitted work that appeared in Horse Illustrated uh, on their own um, to AHP, and three of them won. So we were very proud of that.
0: Pretty much we were sitting through the award ceremony. It was like, Horse Illustrated, Horse Illustrated, <laughs> Horse Illustrated, Horse Illustrated, Horse Illustrated. And you were at our table, so we had to clap for you. Right? I know.
1: No, that was a fun table. It was all podcasters. Yeah. So it, was, it was a was. I told you bunch. the
0: fun tables with the podcasters in the back. They didn't kick us out this year, so we, we were one step ahead. That's-
1: <laughs> (laughs) That's good. We made it to the end. That's true.
0: (laughs) Yes, we did. And I made it. I'll have everybody know because they all know that I didn't make it to the end of the awards last year. Um, I made it to, please vouch for me. I did make it to the end of the awards.
1: You did? Yes. I can vouch. Yes. You were there. Thank you. Thank you for sticking up
0: for me there. (laughs) So it is a fun organization. Um, If you are thinking about being a, if you are a freelance writer or a blogger or something and don't belong to HP, you should definitely look at it. Look, search for AmericanHorsePublications.com. It, it's an organization that yeah, we get together once a year, but it also you develop friends. That's how I met you. Um, That's right. Yeah. So you develop. We met
1: last year. It was held in September for That's the right. first time. I think it's usually in May. So. Yep. It and, was uh yeah first time I met you in person, and then we started our podcast. Or maybe we, you and Sarah were already doing the podcast yep. by then, but.
0: Yeah. But it it is a way to develop relationships that are going to come back and help you in the future, too. Uh, You really will. Yes, the
1: networking is worthwhile for sure. Any conference is that way.
0: It's what happens in the hallway is better than what happens in the sessions.
1: That's true. And I haven't been to a ton of conferences. So uh, AHP, this was only my third one. I went to Lexington 12 years ago, and then last year and this year. So it was great.
0: Well, this afternoon, as this is being played on Tuesday, I am heading off for PodFest, which is the annual conference for independent podcasters. There'll be about 2,000 people there in Orlando, and I have like four or five sessions, one of which I haven't finished yet. So... I know what I'll be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Better
1: get working on that. (laughs)
0: We're doing improv session there. By the way, there, the room is about 400 people because they're all extrovert podcasters (laughs) that show up for improv class.
1: Well, at least it's improv. You don't have to prepare for it, right? That's right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, this episode is brought to you by our title sponsor, Straight Arrow Products. The magic in Cowboy Magic comes from the bond between you and your horse. Cowboy Magic celebrates every moment with you, from quiet chats in the pasture to the adrenaline rush of competition. We want to invite you to embrace your magic moment with your horse by sharing your favorite photos with us on social media using the hashtag Cowboy Magic Moment, hashtag Cowboy Magic Moment. Or you can visit the website at cowboymagic.com slash magic moments. Tell us about our first guest.
1: So our first guest today is going to be Cindy Lay. She is the owner of the Kenyan collection, um, This is a luxury accessory company. It carries beaded dog collars, belts, brow bands, lots and lots of other cool stuff. Uh, The products are made exclusively by Maasai Mamas from the Maasai tribe in Kenya. The Kenyan (laughs) Collection is a company that promotes economic growth, commerce, and trade for women in Kenya and strives to help the Maasai Mamas thrive and flourish. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Holly. Well, so before we get into the Kenyon collection, uh, you have a lot of great stories that were in our recent Horse Illustrated article, and I just love the story about how you first started riding. Um, could you tell us about that fateful drive past the sign at the San Diego Polo Club? Yeah, absolutely. I was—I um, did not grow
2: up with money. Uh, my mother had put a tennis racket in my hand, so I was able to have a full ride in college to play tennis. And um, I always wanted a horse. And um, we lived in Oklahoma. As soon as I graduated college, I ran to San Diego to live. And there was a polo facility across from the show park. And it had a big billboard saying first lesson free. Well, I did not want my free lesson to be how to get on a horse. So um, I looked in the yellow pages, found um, this crazy woman who put me on a horse. And my second lesson was jumping a Cavaletti. And I was hooked. I wanted to jump from then on out. So um, I still am interested in playing polo someday, but I definitely love the the hunter jumper world more.
1: Gotcha. Well, that's man, that's nice. They had you jumping on your second lesson. I feel like oh, my barn made me wait an entire year. I was like, when do I get to jump?
2: And oh. I should have been. I should have waited for sure. That's why I said this crazy woman had me jumping. So
1: I probably should not have been jumping that soon. Oh, but it sounds like fun. I like it. Yeah. Um, So, and you live in Ocala now, is that right? Do you have a farm or do you board horses? I have a little five acre ranchette, but unfortunately my husband has turned our barn into a man
2: cave. Um, But fortunately, the facility where I board my horse is about 45 seconds from my front door. So um, it's very easy for us to get over and see
1: him whenever I want. Oh, well, you can't go wrong with 45 seconds. No, <laughs> pretty good. not at all. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like boarding myself because then I'm not the one maintaining the arenas and everything. So Absolutely. I, and when it's pouring down rain, I don't want to have to go
2: grab them out of turnout or something like that.
1: Yes, exactly. So, And I know you had a long career working for Enterprise Rental Car and then... Decided to switch it all up and have a mobile equestrian boutique out of your car. So, how did the whole exceptional equestrian store get started?
2: Um, basically, it was it grew very organically. I started the company with making bridle and halter charms, and would sit at the berm of the Colorado Horse Park and um, sell these. Charms And people would come up saying, oh, I really like this, but can you make a bracelet out of it? So I'd go home and Google how to make a bracelet and created a a jewelry line off of um, this kind of small start. Decided to bring in purses, brought in um, handbags, T-shirts, just kind of making it so that if someone was on the other end of the horse park and they looked over, they'd see a pop of color. And um, like you mentioned, everything fit in the back of my Murano, and then I got a small trailer, and then I got a truck and trailer, and then a bigger trailer, and now we have two rigs. However, we are set up at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala. and We have two storefronts there, and it's been so great that I don't think I'll ever have to be mobile again. So it's been a complete blessing to have the World Equestrian Center open up here.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. I have not been there. I've seen pictures and I cannot wait <laughs> to go there. Pictures do not do it justice. Everyone who ever comes in
2: is just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's more grander than you think it is.
1: Oh yeah, it looks amazing. Um, so tell us about uh, when you first became aware of the Kenyan collection. How did that get on your radar? Um, I actually, a customer walked in with
2: one of the callers and I immediately fell in love with it. Um, I googled beaded um, African callers and found Joan Schultz, who was the founder of the Kenyan Collection. And um, we um, went into business together. She opened me as an account and I ended up becoming her largest account. Um, she wanted to retire and um, offered me the company. And my husband and I discussed it and knew how much I loved the what it stands behind.
1: And we bought the company five years ago and have been going strong ever since. That is so cool. I just, you know, heard about this. Um, I think it was just through a press release, and I the story just really jumped out at me because it's something really different. Um, how does it work as far as the mamas in Africa, the Maasai? Like, do you travel over there? How do you get in touch with them and get the goods? And how does yeah, it? All yeah. Yes. Sure. Um, when we when Joan had the
2: company, she had a a group, a warehouse a, or a workshop that. Um, provided her all the inventory. When Stuart and I bought the company, that workshop decided they did not want to work with us. And so I bought the company thinking that I had product coming and all of a sudden I didn't. So I had to fly to Africa, to Kenya by myself and find um, a workshop, develop relationships with the mamas and get that Going um, fortunately, Joan had a very dear friend of hers um, that lived in Kenya and has a daughter that is my workshop manager now and is just just a, just wonderful. So the workshop itself is owned by Kenyans, run by Kenyans. Um, they provide the mamas with the leather, the beads, the thread. If the mama wants to be trained, they'll provide them with training. Um, the mamas can live anywhere from two to six hours um, from Nairobi, where we're based out of. And they basically live in the bush. They have no running water or electricity. Um, We have bought them solar lighting so they can beat at night. The kids can do homework. In the past, they've used um, oil lanterns, which is horrible for their lungs. So we feel really good about that. Um, The mamas will come into Nairobi um, or a runner will go back and forth about every six weeks. And then when they bring back the finished product, Um, We end up putting a backing on it. Um, We put a buckle that's made by George, the buckle guy. He goes into junkyards, finds scrap metal, melts it down into his own molds and creates our buckle and hardware for us. Um, They'll finish the product, package it up and then ship it to the States for us to resell to our wholesale accounts as well as our retail accounts.
1: That sounds like a lot of moving parts, but uh, you know, you got it all running smoothly. I'm sure that's a challenge to... Get it all ironed out, but I you know I just love how they, you know, are earning a good living, and it's uh, something that, you know, we want that equestrians enjoy having those fancy beaded browbands and belts. And um, I was looking on your site, and you really have a lot of other products too. Uh, you know, the jewelry I would say and biggest- things
2: our biggest seller is going to be our dog collars and every equestrian has 2.3 dogs. So um, <laughs> it's great seeing all the dogs in the, on um, at the showgrounds wearing our collars. Um, they're very sturdy. Dogs can roll in the mud, go swimming in them. Um, the beads aren't going to fall out unless there's just like excessive, excessive scratching. Um, the beads are anchored every two to three beads into the leather. So they're, they're very sturdy and um, yeah. So the, the, there's lots of offerings we do. Um, crossbody purses, the purse straps that match, bracelets, key rings, belts, um, the whole gambit. And if it can be beaded on leather, we'll do it.
1: Awesome. So uh, could you tell us your website and any social media accounts where the listeners can find you? Absolutely. Um, If you're at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala, you can find um, us in
2: Arena 3. Um, And then the website is com. Um, and the same for, um, Facebook and Instagram, it's Kenyan collection. And then we have a code for all of your listeners. It's just H R N and it's 10% off now through the end of June that they can
1: get, um, anything off of our website for 10% off. Awesome. That's a great deal. Thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, we will post the link to your story that ran in horse Illustrated in the show notes as well. So thank you, Cindy. That is wonderful. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat.
0: We love our hands-on gloves, and I know my pony does, too. Scooter absolutely loves hands-on gloves. He does a little lip thing every time I groom him because I always start with the hands-on gloves. Horses, dogs, cats, livestock, and more don't even know they're being groomed or de-shed with the patented hands-on gloves. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, bathing mitts, shedding blades, metal bristles, and any de-shedder on the market. Hands-on is changing the way we bathe, deshed, shed or groom our animals. And I'm telling you what, my pony absolutely loves these things. I like them too, because I like being able to put them on. And because they're a glove, you can get all the nooks and crannies, right? Under the legs, and uh, in, in, uh, all the nooks and crannies in the legs. I just like it that way. Uh, so you can learn more at handsongloves.com. Take my word for it. You need a pair up or two or three of hands-on gloves. And they come in pretty colors.
1: Our second guest is Robin Vulkening. Robin is the author of Horse Trailer Hotel, an article that appeared in the June issue of Horse Illustrated, which is out now. She's obsessed with anything Western, horse or vintage, and often runs her business from her Texas horse property patio, where she lives with her multiple AQHA world champion cow horse, his buddy, the Naughty Rainer, her rescue dogs, and some chickens. Hi, Robin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, okay, so we've got to know... Do you actually camp in your trailer at shows? I do. I actually have
3: um, a trailer that just has a half-finished dressing room. So I'm slightly above camping in the back of a trailer, but I also have vintage campers and I also work in the RV industry. So uh, depending on the weekend, I'm usually camping somehow, somewhere, sometimes with horses and sometimes without. So
1: you're really a pro. That's a, that's a lot of camping. You'll, you'll have the good tips for us. I think, uh, what would, what would you, uh, tell a newbie that, you know, really doesn't even know where to start? They've got a dressing room, not too many frills. What, what are the must haves and how do you shower?
3: Well, the first thing is you really have to <laughs> I like how you ahead. threw that in right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's my
1: question.
3: is the trickiest part, I will admit. So the first thing is to kind of figure out how and where you're going to be camping. So if we're thinking about we're going to a horse show, some fairgrounds and horse show facilities have electric hookups and some don't. Um, obviously, if you have electric, that makes your life a little bit simpler. You could repurpose a lot of things that you have at your house. If you're not going to have electric, you may need to plan ahead a little bit more. And also, what's the temperature going to be like? And kind of consider the fact that the temperature may swing while you're there day to night. Um, so in the RV world, we call the camping without electric and water, we call that boondocking And a lot of times um, we're even less amenities than what we have at a fairgrounds because we have water for the horses, obviously. And usually there's electric somewhere, even if it's not right by your camper. So you can at least maybe plug your phone in by your stalls or run an extension cord or something of that nature. So I think the first thing is kind of trying to plan where you're going to camp and then you kind of start accumulating things that way.
1: Gotcha. Because this first occurred to me, uh, I started showing... Um, you know, where I had to stay overnight because I used to live in Kentucky and I could just go to the horse park show and drive home and stay in my own bed. And it's wonderful. But then I moved to California and the shows are hours away. uh, And I was realizing the hotel bills just absolutely kill you. They're not even close. You still have to drive 30 or 40 minutes to get there. It's like, you know what? I think camping in the trailer might be something I'm interested in. So this article well, really jumped out as something that could be useful. So I, I'm just listening to all the tidbits here. Um, the thing that I really like about it is I like
3: to check my horse a lot when I'm at shows. And mm-hmm. obviously, if you're at the hotel, that makes things difficult. Um, you know I'm the one that's kind of running out at, at one in the morning in my pajamas, and I'm not afraid to do that. Um, to check my horse. And he's one that likes to play in his stall at night. And so a lot of times I think something's happening and really he's just stacking his buckets up and and making a mess. Um, (laughs) But the other thing I like is during the shows, you don't really know how the schedule is going, how fast things are going. And if you leave to go take a break, you kind of get that stressful, like what happens if it speeds up and I miss my class. Um, so when you're at the show and you're camping, you kind of have a little space where you can go relax and kind of mentally unwind a little bit or grab a snack, um, and not be missing out on the show. And also you kind of, um, miss out on that sort of socializing after the fact that happens or even in the morning when people are kind of hanging out, getting coffee and whatnot. So I really enjoy staying at the campground. And if you travel with dogs, a lot of times hotels won't take dogs. So there's kind of all those things that sort of come into play too.
1: Yeah, it, it actually sounds like a very good option for a lot of people that they probably haven't thought of before. Um, so say you don't have electric hookup, uh, you know, you're kind of on battery power and again, the showering. I mean, I've been camping in, uh, <laughs> in college. We did a field biology quarter in Mexico and we were just literally in the middle of nowhere on this cattle ranch with definitely no electric or showers and we would hang up a little solar shower bag to warm up in the sun. And, you know, it's like a little gallon, but it would really be nice and warm and you could take a pretty good little shower with that thing. So is that the kind of showering that works in a trailer? Like how, how does that, how does that help? There's different options. Obviously, like I said, the showering is usually the most challenging part. I, I,
3: tend to go and see if I can find a maintenance man or someone who works at the fairgrounds. A lot of times there's hidden showers in old locker rooms or things like that that hardly anyone even knows about. Uh, um, you know, if you can scam a shower off your friend with a living quarters, you know, that's pretty cool. I trade with my friends that take their dogs out during okay, the day Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to stop
0: you because that sounds like a horror movie in the making. <laughs> Right. I'm you using know, the shower like in the back of the maintenance building that the maintenance guy <laughs> at the fairgrounds told oh, me about.
3: No. no, there's actually a lot of a fairgrounds because in back in the day, people didn't have these fancy $150,000 living quarters and rodeo contestants and horse show contestants needed to take a shower. And so especially the older fairgrounds, they probably do have a, a locker room. Now I'm not saying it's going to be great. Take your flip flops, but that's an option. Um, All right, right. but uh, for all the
0: murder mystery writers, and I know there's some that listen to the show, Lisa, (laughs) There, I gave you your next story plot, and and Robin can fill you in on all the background details of how that's going to happen.
3: So I'm not saying they're great, but it's an option. Um, I'm one that I don't like to have water in the back of my trailer, but some people don't mind. Um, So what a lot of folks are doing is, you know, if you want to be a little fancier, you can get what they call a cowboy shower or sometimes people have porta hots. They are a portable propane shower situation, which you have to have a hose for that. So if you have a hose bib, you can hook it up. It powers it through a little gizmo. You hook it onto a propane canister and it heats up the shower and it's kind of like an unlimited amount of hot water shower. And then you can either be in the back of your trailer and you can stand in like a fold-up dog pool or a little plastic pool, a muck bucket, something like that. Or you can get um, some of the camping folks use pop-up little tents that you put outside and you can put all that in this little pop-up tent gizmo. Um, I will say if you're in a windy place to try to get that stake down somehow because it
1: will fly away <laughs> while you're in them. Um, while you're naked in a tent. Different <laughs> there's, there's
3: different options depending on, you know, how comfortable you are with where you're at. Um, sometimes what I do if I have a hose situation, it's very hot in Texas and the water coming out of the ground is warm. And so you can actually just get a um, hose end that's got more of a hands-off Um, sprayer on it so you don't have to hold that squeeze trigger. And it sort of is one that just sort of turns and it'll stay on. And I have a hook that I can hang off my tie rings in the back of my trailer. And um, I just use like 3M little hooks in the ceiling, hang up a little shower curtain. I have um, a fully enclosed horse trailer. It does get pretty hot back there, but um, I can just hang up that little shower curtain, put the hose through the window of the drop hook it on the hook, stand in the muck bucket, take a little shower. Um, And depending on your parking situation, if you wear a swimsuit or not or or however, but um, I've done that before. Obviously, if the water is not warm where you're at, that's a little bit uh, concerning. Those hang-up solar showers that you talk about, they're very inexpensive, like $35. And you basically just put water in a big bag and you hang it outside, it warms up and then gravity has it come out. Um, There's also rechargeable little pumps that you can run water in a bucket or a muck bucket, let it sit in the sun all day. You submerge the pump in there, they're about $30 as well. Hang that from a tree or from your trailer and it'll slowly kind of pump the water so you get a little bit of a pump action. Um, there's kind a of a
2: nice clean
0: kind of, muck bucket. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Use the yeah, other; yeah, it's, it's full of poop, bucket. and you're gonna climb in there. So <laughs> I have; yeah. a, I can talk about this a little bit. My wife uh, does this. She goes to endurance rides occasionally, and endurance rides you have to go overnight. It's just kind of required. And we don't have a living quarters horse trailer, so she does that. She puts up the cot in the back of the horse trailer and cleans it out, and she sleeps in the horse trailer, uh, you know, sleep bag or whatever. Now, she has a portable fan that she brings along, or two that run on battery uh, for when yeah. it's—we live in Florida, so, you know, it's hot. Uh, so she does that. and we don't go in the middle of summer, she'd die. But, um, you know, it she makes it work. Now— She doesn't shower. So, three days later, she comes home and she really needs one. So, it's (laughs) she looks like she's been hiking the Appalachian Trail.
3: Like, giant body wipe situation. That's what she uses. Um, Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so those do work well as well. And, you know, like my whole thing is I, I kind of think there's a lot of things you think about. You think about temperature. There's battery fans, electric fans. There's Mr. Buddy propane heaters. They work really good. Um, you know, how are you going to sleep? Are you a cot sleeping bag person? Or if you have a gooseneck, you can get a foam mattress, bedding, all that. My bed in my trailer is actually more comfortable than the one in my house, I'll be honest. Um, That's true of our camper. It's, uh, it's the
0: same way. Our camper bed's so comfortable.
3: Yeah, exactly. See now, when you go to endurance rides, you should take the camper. She takes the horse. You guys are living large then.
0: Then I'd have to. Then we need to make two trips because we only have one truck. So ah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a problem.
3: <laughs> so the showering thing, you know, the the everyone kind of thinks about like, how am I going to go to the bathroom? The porta potty situation is actually the easiest part of this. Um, you know, a lot of people just use a regular porta potty, but the luggable loo is a a seat that goes onto a regular five gallon bucket. You just put bags in there and the pellet bedding works amazing and you just throw it away and that works great. Very simple. Like that part of it is not even a problem. Um, And then of course your food situation goes along with that. Um, If you have electric, obviously you can use a George Foreman type grill or an Instapot or a slow cooker, things like that. Uh, Propane grills are super easy to come across these days. And so I mean the cooking situation is pretty easy Um, And, of course, the the cooler situation is getting better and better and better all the time, so... Um, yeah, and again, I like that life.
1: people aren't going to have to eat, you know, a sad little sandwich the whole time. They don't, nobody's going to want to do that. So,
3: yeah. you know, and it's amazing. I mean, we've got folks that do, they bring full on smokers to the horse shows. I mean, they're cooking <laughs> really good food and, you know, we've got all the folding tables and the rugs and the folding chairs. And I mean, we've got a full situation set up outside and, and it just kind of, like I said, it just sort of depends on what you've got available to you as far as the electric or the battery, but, Really, the showering situation is probably the most challenging to do without electric, however, or without water. Um, but the rest of it, you know, it's just kind of looking for the battery lights, the battery fans, and if you do have electric, kind of figuring out how you're going to run cords and, and what all works from home. Um, but then there's also now they're not inexpensive; they're two fifty to five hundred dollars. But there are shower situations that are portable that have a battery ignition and then a propane heater and they're completely portable. They're probably, I would say like maybe a 10 pound little unit. And they've got hoses and cords and pumps and you can either hook the hose to it or you can put the pump in a, in a bucket or, or whatnot of water and it heats it and it pumps it right up through the shower. So uh, those are pretty interesting. I've actually tried them, but they didn't work in Texas because the water's too hot coming out of the ground. So <laughs> it was scalding hot. Um, <laughs> so they were, they were a little overpowered for Texas water supply.
0: And they, right now too, they have, uh, battery packs that are, I forget the name of them. There's a couple different brands, but, and they're not cheap. They're like a thousand dollars, but they are super battery packs so that you can charge your phones, you can run fans, you can do everything with them. And they'll last you an entire weekend. Now they're, they're also about 15, 20 pounds. Um, but they have yeah, multiple, multiple ports on generators. them. And, yeah.
4: Yeah. So there's
3: um, solar generators. There's Jackery is a brand. Jackery is one um, I was thinking of. Thank you. The other one. Yeah, there's another one. Go- Goal Zero, I think, is another brand. And they come in different sizes, and they're basically like a solar battery or a solar um, generator. And now, I mean, if you're doing this a lot and you're usually off-grid, I mean, you can get fairly powerful generators relatively inexpensively and, you know, run quite a bit of stuff off of those. And there's amazing battery lights. Um, I like these collapsible ones called Lucy lights and they recharge and they're collapsible and they weigh nothing. And so um, they take up very little space. And that's something too that I try to look for is things that collapse and are multi-purpose. I've got collapsible buckets, I've got collapsible bowls, I've got um, a collapsible colander, and they kind of all just stack on top of each other. And I use the big bowl if I'm going to wash dishes, and and so you can really look for things, you know, kind of using the words collapsible, portable, camping, um, and a lot of these things are readily available in the Walmart camping section, the dollar store, Aldi, um, if people have Aldi in their area of the country. Um, you know, I also pick up a lot of things for my horse trailer that I know is maybe going to get ruined, like outdoor rugs and things like that, sometimes even at garage sales. Um, it's kind of nice to have, like, a little, like, area off the grass or the gravel with one of those plastic camping mats. And, and then you can set your folding table and your folding chairs and maybe a shade structure of some sort, um, you know, a clam or a um,
1: pop-up tent. So, basically... So you can really get a pretty nice little situation set up. Anything you need, you can... You can make it happen. I like this because you'll never have more time to kill than at a horse show. It seems like, so this, this could be good.
3: <laughs> I For encourage sure. people to can give I it d- a try. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because, you know, you kind of get your system set up and I leave most of the stuff just in my dressing room. And I mean, I'll, I'll admit that I do have an inflated dressing room. I do have an air conditioner. Um, but, and I do have a refrigerator in there. I usually have electric when I camp. Um, and in Texas, it just gets way too hot. It'd be it'd be real hard to, to live right, without air conditioning. Right,
1: extreme but, climates require a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, of
3: but I will say I've camped in my trailer at 17 degrees and fleet ice storms, and I've Ooh. camped in it at 117 before. So, oh. um, you know, I think a lot of it's just sort of being prepared for your situation. Um, I've got multiple different ways of heating and cooling. I always take extra bedding with me. Um, you know, I always take raincoats and extra, you know, hoodies and and hats and gloves and things like that, because you never know what the weather's going to change. But I leave my folding table and my folding chairs in there. Um, always have a first aid kit and bug spray and all that kind of stuff in there. Um, and I have a folding table that I can put inside or outside. And uh, I always have extra extension cords for outdoor use. And, um, things like that. But when I do go boondocking, especially I camp a lot without horses boondocking, I don't tend to take my horses camping, camping. I'm not a trail rider. Um, but when I go boondocking, I take a lot more of my cooking paraphernalia. So I've got the, the Dutch ovens and I've got the propane uh, grill and I've got you know all of those sorts of things so that I can do all my my fancy cooking.
1: Excellent. So uh, why don't you let listeners know where they can find you online and tell us about your business website, make sure they can find you there. Sure. Um, my business website is
3: vstrategyonline.com, V is in Valentine, um, and I do business development, marketing, consulting a lot in the horse and equine world, some small business in the ag. And um, I do influencer developments and I do content creation. I write freelance articles for a bunch of magazines, including Horse Illustrated and also in the RV industry. And I also have a business doing PEMF therapy, Lucky Vibes PEMF. And so I kind of get out of the office a little bit to doing that.
1: So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Robin, for coming on. It's great talking to you. You too. It was fun. We are excited to offer a special subscription discount just for podcast listeners. Get Horse Illustrated magazine in print or digital format or a combo subscription for both. Plus, if you'd like to get our sister publication, Young Rider, we also offer special rates on this magazine for horse crazy tweens and teens ages 8 to 15. Check out our website at horseillustrated.com slash HRN for low rates exclusively for our podcast listeners. And our final guest today is Rita Hoach, president and CEO of Nexus Equine in Oklahoma City. Rita will be telling us about this month's adoptable horse.
0: Well, our adoptable horse of the month is freaking cute. His name is Magic Man Mike. And hi, Rita. Rita is here with us from Nexus Equine to tell us about Magic Man. So what's he like? Hi,
4: thank you for having me today. Mike is um, one of the cutest horses that we've ever taken in. He is full of life and in his little body, and he is now up for adoption looking for the right home. He came to us from a ha- uh, a lady that was breeding miniature horses. She was getting out of the business, and she had uh, about five horses she needed to um, find a place for. And the, the great thing about this is that we are a strong partner with the ASPCA Equine uh, Transition and Adoption Center, which they they operate out of Nexus in El Reno. And actually, Mike came to us through that program, and then he came to Nexus from from that program. And he's really got the potential to do anything. I mean, he's very sweet. He's got uh, he he's learned some things with us, but he's got some other skills that he could learn. And he's so beautiful. In some of the pictures, if you, when people look at him, he's got his hair all braided and he's just ready to do whatever with with someone else. So we're really excited about finding him a home.
0: I got to tell you, Rita, there's a lot of minis that when you look at them and you look in their eye, they look like they're ready to kill you. I mean, they just are out <laughs> yes. to, to destroy you. That's their goal in life. And I've owned a lot of ponies in my day, and some of them were that way, too. But this little nine-hander, when you look at his eye, he's got the kindest, gentlest face. He
4: is so sweet, and he wants to learn new things I mean you can tell when he's looking at you that he's trying to figure out what you're doing and he's wanting um you know he'll respond to you really well and he's a quick study you know we've kind of started training him on some different um different things and he's a quick study and he always comes back for more you know a lot of times you'll see ponies and stuff you know where you can't catch them and you can't do this or that no he comes back he wants to know what you're doing and what else can you do for him. So, he's really cute. <laughs> That's a
0: typical mini. <laughs> so, yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. He yeah. is adorable
0: <laughs> yeah. and his adoption fee is put at $875. Is he located yeah. at Nexus Equine in Oklahoma City?
4: He sure is. Okay. He sure it's not in Oklahoma City. It's in a town called El Reno and it's about 30 minutes west of Oklahoma City. Okay. Um, and our beautiful new property that we've been in about a year. So
0: and how yeah. many, how and many other have, horses do you have there for adoption?
4: We have about nine that are up for adoption right now. We have a couple that are pending, pending adoptions. Um, but we've been doing a lot of adoptions. It seems like spring and summer is when our adoptions, um, are, are, uh, happen. The most of our adoptions happen, like when summer you know, and kids are getting out of school and they want something to do, and um, that's so we're seeing that a lot. So, well, good. That's good, I right? I mean, that's, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, it would be great if every horse got adopted. Then we we would be out of business, and I would be <laughs> fine with that because that means everybody would be just fine. So,
0: what's your website?
4: It's um, www.nexusequine.org.
0: And we're going to put a link to Magic Man Mike from the My Right Horse Initiative page. Uh, and okay. you'll find that right in the show notes and all the information's there about how you... And he has a little video, too, which is
1: really stinking cute. Oh, so. yeah. they yeah. Gotta, they got to see the video. He's <laughs> yeah. mostly black. He's a pinto with some white legs and a little white stripe in his neck. Yeah, he's
4: it's got cute. little white feet. And he's been... He's, um, you know, all of the horses come vaccinated and dewormed and he's microchipped and he's had his teeth done and he came to us, not castrated, but he is castrated now. And he's nine
0: years old. So, uh, Oh, he does have a little
1: stallion spark to him. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, he does. He sure does.
0: Magic Um, man, Mike, you can find him at Nexus Equine, uh, and you can find all the information. We'll put the link in our show notes, uh, Rita, thank you so much for joining us again.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to talk to you. We want to thank our title sponsor, the Straight Arrow family of brands, makers of main and tail, cowboy magic, and exhibitors with over 100 years of grooming excellence. For more information about your favorite products, please visit www.straightarrowinc.com and find their products at a tax shop near you. Horse Illustrated can be found at www.horseillustrated.com. And for links to today's
0: guests, you can find them in the show notes right there in your podcast player or HorsesInTheMorning.com. If you go to HorsesInTheMorning.com and scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to see a little Horse Illustrated banner. Click on that, and it brings you to all the past episodes for Horse Illustrated as well, which it's over a year now, I think. And you can follow all the Horse Radio Network shows. We have 21 of them now. Uh, wherever you go, just... you. Download our free app if you want to. It's kind of easy to use, iPhone or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. We're going to be back. Actually, I won't be back tomorrow. I'll be at PodFest all the rest of this week. But Jamie will be here with some guest co-hosts. And then on Thursday, we have the sales and breeding episode as well. So get your really bad ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. They'll be doing those on Friday. And I'll see you all next Monday. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. Happy
1: reading and writing.